Well, welcome back to the Holy Ship Podcast, everyone. Today we are joined by Kristen Miele from Sex Ed Reclaimed. Um, Kristen has been educating youth on the topic of sex for the last 12 years. She's taught in hundreds of diverse settings, including two different countries, and has experience teaching ages three and up on content related to sex and sexuality. Kristen has a bachelor's and master's of science in community health from the University of Illinois, and is also a certified health education specialist. The vision for Sex Ed Reclaim came to her in November of 2021, and it became an LLC in 2022. She has one daughter, Emma Joy, who's four years old, as well as a fat orange cat, and she's been married to Anthony since 2012, and they live in Columbus, Ohio. So Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Lydia. I'm excited to be here. Of course. Can we just start off by you telling us a little bit more about yourself and who you are and what Sex Ed Reclaimed is? Absolutely. Yeah, so I grew up in Chicagoland, and I grew up in a wonderful Christian home with incredible parents and in a great church, a really great church. Um, I went to college, I studied public health, as you said, and then I went on to grad school. And before I started grad school, I was really praying about how I was going to pay for grad school. And it was one of those prayer requests that like I prayed all weekend and God just immediately granted like an answer. And this person called me from the university and said, Hey, will you teach a public health class? If you do, we'll pay for your school. And I was like, Oh, this is totally an answered prayer. Amazing. Yes, absolutely. I'll do that. And then I got an email and it was like, you're going to be teaching human sexuality. And I was like, no, that can't be right. Like, I don't know how to talk about that. I actually hated public speaking, um, but I was going to be the only teacher of it three classes a week, every semester. And I had just graduated college myself. So these were going to be college students when I was barely older than them. And I didn't know how to talk about it. And actually the first semester I taught, I got pretty mediocre reviews for my students. And it was kind of this like check-in point of me of like, what am I doing? Like, if I am so scared to teach this and I don't know like how to talk about it, like, why is that? And I just thought about, you know, my background. And even though I did grow up in great homes and, um, a great home and a great school, like I didn't know how to talk about sex. And I, I did see it as kind of a bad thing and a shameful thing. And almost like God had messed up certainly he wouldn't want me to teach this particular subject. Why did he give me this? And I was a little bit bitter as well. But then I had this revelation of like, wait, no, God created sex and and sex is his. And he was the first entity to ever speak of it. That's not this dirty thing. Um, It's culture that makes it dirty. And so I started owning that and leaning into my faith and depending on him. And then I started loving teaching it. And that was reflected in my reviews from students. Um, they could tell I liked talking about it. And even students would come up to me and be like, are you a Christian? Because I tried to put a little bit of truth into every time I was teaching. Um, and yeah, the rest is history. I've been in sex ed pretty much a little bit on and off, but pretty much ever since then. And that was in my early twenties and I'm now in my mid thirties. Um, And God's really been working on me and showing me more of his design of holy sexuality and what it means to live out his purpose and to trust him with my sex life and my sexuality, and also to trust him with this task of talking about sex and teaching about sex. So like you said, God um, gave me this vision for Sex Ed Reclaimed last year, about a year ago, and um, it's since developed and I'm excited about it. I have 80 videos exactly that I filmed. Um, I have a great small team who films and edits my videos and um, puts them online. And all of that is dropping in January, 2023. Um, And I'm just so pumped about it. The website's up and I can't wait for all the content to drop in, but it's really sex ed covering the whole lifespan of children. So I'm excited. That's so awesome. 
And we like talk about this on the podcast so much, but it's so important for kids to have like a framework to discuss and learn about sexuality from such a like young age. So this is so great. Yes, I exactly. And I see a big gap there. And the more I do research and look into, well, what do Christians have? Like, what what do people have on sex ed? And honestly, you know what, if I can say this, the best sex that I found is really Planned Parenthood. Like, that's the yeah. best sex that I found in the sense that they talk about everything and they really use correct language and they get at it. But you know what? A lot of Christians don't like Planned Parenthood for various reasons. Mm -hmm. And it's not a biblical organization. They're not going to talk about the Lord and the creator of sex. And so I don't want that to be the best sex ed resource Mm -hmm. for people. I want there to be an option. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is it. Like there's so much, there's so much um, depth, even though there's a lot of breadth. Um, And I really get into the hard and messy stuff because I've been talking about it for years. And I have some, um, knowledge and, and wisdom I would like to offer in that, but I also want to continue to grow and, and learn as well. Huh. Just like, as like, I guess I'm curious, are your like courses for different ages? Like, is it supposed to be like in like a classroom setting or is it like for like parents to bring into the home? And like, it's like a Thursday afternoon type of like <laughs> lesson or like, what does that look like? Yeah. Perfect question. Um, this curriculum is really for the home. And I think the second place I see it playing out is the, the, the school. Um, and then after that, even youth group, I really think you can tailor this to the group that you have. For example, if you're like in a homeschooling, um, cohort or co-op where there's a group of you that meet and maybe you meet to do like an art class every once in a while, you know, every once in a while or a music class, well, this could be the health aspect of that where you meet as your little group or big group, whatever it is, um, to talk about health and you have your curriculum for those kids, that age group, and you watch a video a week, or you watch two videos a week, or you meet once every two weeks, but then you watch three videos. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have calendars within my curriculum of like viewing recommendations and viewing schedules, if you will. Um, because it will look really different depending on the group who's watching it. Some people might want to teach this as part of their homeschooling program in, in their home with just one child um, who's viewing it. And they might do an intensive for like three weeks where they watch videos every single day. Others might want to have it more spaced out, you know, and some of that is dependent on the kid, which is why part of the reason it's so great is you can tailor this to your family and your family's needs and your child's maturity level. Like if you truly think my child can't handle a lot of this information at once because we've never talked about it. Great. Do it, you know, spaced out, uh, gauge how they're feeling. But if it's like, honestly, my kid went to public school for years, or my family's really open about this topic. We've talked about it a lot. Okay. Watch it more rapidly. So it can definitely be tailored to the situation, but it could be used in a school, in a church or in a home. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Um, you kind of touched on this when you're like introducing yourself, but what was your experience with sex in church growing up? Yeah, it's a great question. Again, I just want to reiterate that I loved my church growing up. Like it was truly a great church, but I think that speaks more to the kind of issue in the larger Christian church, because although I grew up in such a wonderful church and I did, I do remember having youth group conversations about sex. I say that hesitantly because, you know, it was from the pulpit and it wasn't really a conversation. Um, a teaching on sex, it was still in the height of purity culture. And so there was a lot of legalism and do this, don't do this. And, um, this is what God says, end of story. And so I don't feel that there was room for kids to really question anything for kids to discuss for kids to bring up issues. Certainly there was no discussion of sexuality. It was more about the physical act of sex and how you are not supposed to do it. 
And, um, it was pretty black and white and that is not really sexuality. It is not as black and white as we would like it to be and like it to fit in, in a box. It is much more gray and complicated. And frankly, there are some things that we, um, specific things that we just don't have clear, clear answers on, but rather we have to really discern the will of the father and discern the Holy spirit, um, and people have different opinions on things. And so anyway, I love my church and my parents still go to that church and I still visit it and adore it. You know, when I go back to Chicagoland, because I'm now in Ohio, but, um, I don't think there was ever good, good discussion on sex. And that was by and large, the experience of every single one of my friends, whether that friend was in the church a lot in the church somewhat, or I'm not in the church, you know, we just didn't have sex ed. And I went to a public school that was also a really great school. I mean, I grew up in a town that was often voted like one of the best places to raise your kids in America Mm -hmm. by money magazine or whatever. And we, we just didn't have we, we had to talk about like HIV and, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was so simple and basic and there, there wasn't good sex ed and reflecting on that is part of, uh, the passion that I have now, mm-hmm. that is not okay. And that is definitely not okay in the church because sex is ours. Yeah. God created it for his, for his children as a good gift, but there's a context for it. And so I want his children to understand that more. Uh, kind of going off of that. What do you think the church's role is in talking about sex? Yeah. I don't think the church has an option on this. I don't think they can say, well, maybe we'll talk about it a bit or like, eh, like every so often, I guess. Or like, how do we get into that? It's no, you, this is, this is, again, this is yours. Like God created sex and God wrote the Bible, right? Like we believe God divinely inspired the Bible. God talks about sex. It sex is talked about over and over again in the Bible. And certainly relationships are and marriages. So if that's in the Bible, then why aren't we talking about it? there's, there's no option. There should be no fear in approaching that, even though there, there is fear. Um, it, it is ours to begin with, and we should be conversing about it. And we should be letting our young people in on that too, because it's actually, it's theirs too. They're children of God as well. But again, we focused so much on the past, I think on the context of it, this is where you do it. And this is where you don't end of story. And that's not conversational. That's not helpful. That doesn't leave room for dialogue at all. It, it just, tells you that kind of legalistic viewpoint without room for, um, understanding more of who God is and, and grace and forgiveness and mercy, um, and what God's plan is. So the church has a role in talking about this. It is that there's no option and they should be talking about it. The question I think then for churches is, well, how, like, how do we talk about it? And oftentimes, now I think churches are speaking from the pulpit about it to their congregation at large, but then they don't know how that bleeds out into like student ministry and their young people and that kind of conversation. So, yeah, yeah. I think that was something that was so hard for me. I think just like growing up, but also like as a Christian adult, when you're like, like actually like thinking about sex and like what sexuality even is and like growing up, like in youth group, we'd have conversations where it's like, Hey, don't have sex before marriage, like remain pure. And then as adult, I was like, I don't even know what sexuality is actually. Like I know what sex is, but like Mm. sexuality as a whole, like was so confusing. And as I was researching that, like when we were starting this podcast, it was like, it was like, it was in reading the Bible that you like learned so much and like all these like other like resources that I was like, oh, and like, this is like such a big part of who we are. And like, if God is such a big part of who we are as well, like those are like so intertwined and he mm-hmm. like does play such an important role in that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think young people could have the tendency to grow up, you know, similar to you, but 
almost in that they see their sexuality as like in contrast to God or like in spite of God, or, you know, it's this extra in their life that they're not sure what to do with, but in reality, your sexuality is created by God. Mm -hmm. And so if your sexuality is created by God and for the the purpose of glorifying him, well, that's a completely different worldview and an outlook on sexuality. And then what does that mean for the purpose of how I live out Mm -hmm. my sexuality? And if I struggle with same-sex attraction, if I you know, feel that I'm gay. If I identify as gay now, what does that mean for my sexuality? And that's a different conversation as well, but there's so much overlap there. And what is the purpose of sexuality? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I love that you brought that up. Um, so yeah, you kind of like talked about this, but like, I feel like as you were talking, I had a very similar experience, but I also like went to public school and like in sex ed, like I actually vividly remember like our lesson on HIV. Um, like, so it's funny that you say that, but like, I didn't even learn like what female anatomy was in my sex ed class. And so like, that was like, so wild to me. Like, we were just like, um, here's how you don't get an STD. But like, other than that, like, we really like did not talk about sex at all. And so curious what like your experience was like in that. Yeah, no, I, I had no idea what my anatomy was. Um, I don't think I knew. So I'll just tell a little personal story because no shame here. Um, when I, so I'm like a pretty small person, like I've always been short and I kind of went through puberty later and just like thin. And, um, when I was like 17, my mom was like, Hey, um, I guess she had been putting tampons in my bathroom. And at this point I was the only one using that bathroom and she had noticed I'd never used them. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, do you, you know, I don't even remember how she asked, but it was something along the lines of like, have you gotten a period? And I was just like, no, like I had no idea that you were supposed to have one by then. And I truly wasn't getting one. And again, that related, I think to just my latent puberty and like my body weight potentially. Um, but so I actually went to a doctor to start, um, well, I started medication to go to get a period. And then after that, you know, a little bit of that, I, I stopped, but I, I truly had no idea, even as a, in a good public school where I was highly educated, great education at 17, that I should have had a period, <clears throat> like no clue at all. Um, and so not only did I not even understand that, but I didn't know, like, how to use those or where that went or what to do about that. I don't think I understood, for example, specific example that like girls don't pee out of their vaginas. I mean, truly I was a female. Yeah. Um, I might have by that point, but like for too long, did I, did I not mm-hmm. know that? Um, so there's just so much information that was left as a question mark because I had never talked mm-hmm. about it with anyone. And I think that's pretty typical. Um, the only, when I've taught in classroom settings, the kids whose parents are like in the medical world. So they're doctors or nurses or, or whatever. I I've noticed often that those kids are like, Oh, this is how this is. And this is how this is. This is what your anatomy is. This is what like how HIV spreads in the body. Like they already know because mm-hmm. their parents are pretty open talking about medical stuff with them. Yeah. And that includes the body, but the vast majority of students, especially uh, students of Christian parents really don't know. It's just not talked about. And I do think that's changing for sure. I think our, our generation is a part of, of changing that narrative. Um, and the older generation is starting to look back. Older generations are starting to look back and, and help change that narrative for sure. But generally it's just not a conversation you have and you don't know anything about your body, which is rough. And then it's super rough when you get married too. Cause you're like, wait, shoot, now I'm supposed to know all this and it's supposed to be enjoyable. Like, I don't, I don't know anything. Uh, I'm curious. You've like taught for a while. And so I feel like you'd be able to speak to this. Have you seen like a difference in, I'll say like teenagers understanding of the body or even like sex because of social media? Like, I feel like for me, like even like through like TikTok or whatever, I'll like learn about things. And I'm like, what? And then I'm like Googling. Cause I'm like, is this true? And 
Mm-hmm. I feel like I like just have access to way more information than I did like when I was in middle school and high school have you like seen like a shift like you think teens are more educated or are they like miseducated through social media or like what does that look like yeah good question I think both <laughs> so kids are definitely even just in the last like since I started teaching in 2010 to now kids are much more aware of of things because they have so much more access to things related to sexual health. So there is better awareness of the body. Like I will say questions have become more detailed. Um, and you can tell they have a basis of knowledge, whereas kids in early stages of the internet wouldn't have known that kind of stuff yet. And weren't looking up that kind of thing yet. Um, Google wasn't even that big yet when, right. When the internet was starting. So kids didn't know where to go still, but now kids know where to go and they do come across all of this information. But the really sad and hard part of that is that then they come across so much misinformation. Mm -hmm. So they might have some good stuff in there, but how do they weed out what's true and correct versus what's not? And I do Mm -hmm. talk about that in my curriculum because I think that understanding misinformation or being able to differentiate between facts and lies, facts and myths is really important. So I do go into that and how how to do that. But I often encourage kids to fact check because so much of what they're learning is from porn and porn is full of misinformation. And I would have questions that I just knew, like in, I just knew deep inside that, that question that that student was asking was absolutely from porn. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of the easy ways you can tell that is, you know, how young they are, but how graphic the question is Mm -hmm. and, that either comes from friends or porn. And and usually if it comes from friends, then that came from porn, you know, within the friend group. So um, there's so much misinformation and it almost counteracts all the potential good stuff that kids might be learning about um, because they're just coming across porn time and time and time again. I mean, I read an article yesterday in People Magazine on my phone and the the woman in it, the actress, essentially her shirt was like completely see-through and they were like celebrating this woman, right? And her femininity and wow, she's just all out there. But I mean, I could essentially like see her breast Mm -hmm. and students see that too. Young people see that too. You know, your kids see that too. Your, your, uh, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, your husband, white, like they, they see that too. And so that's, Ugh, that just stinks. And not that that in and of itself is misinformation, but it certainly creates an idea of like, oh, female empowerment. When is that empowerment that everyone's looking at your boobs? Like, really? So um, there's that aspect of the internet as well. Yeah. How do you address pornography in like your curriculum and like how you discuss that? Yeah, I, I discuss it throughout the entire age group. So when they're young, like Uh, 10 and under, I discuss bad images and what to do when you um, come across a bad image. So something I encourage is if, let's say you're 10, but your friend has a phone already. And I don't know why a 10 year old would have a smartphone, but let's say that they do. Um, If they're passing the smartphone or or, or this device, you know, their, their tablet to you, you can ask as a young person, what's on it, what's on it before you look. And that's a way to kind of um, filter what's about to happen. Um, Additionally, I talk about, I use an acronym, which I'll actually, I don't mind sharing here because I want to be, I want to be helping people. And if this helps somebody, then great. Um, the acronym is, is stop. Um, and essentially it's encouraging kids to like, you know, find something else to do, to look away, to tell an adult. And I go into more of 
that acronym in this curriculum, but I want something simple to stick with kids' minds as they come across pornography because they will, they will. It's not really a matter of, oh, if it's a matter of when, and since the average age is 11 of first viewing of pornography, I want kids to have some kind of tool in their tool belt uh, to, to fight that pornography. Um, and then with older kids, anybody above 13, I talk about addiction and I have quite, um, I would say a robust dialogue on, on what happens in your brain and what happens in your body and what is, what actually porn is teaching you. And how does that work out? How does that work out for people? How does that work out in your relationships? How does this work out in your views of women? How does this work out in your view of men and what it's going to do? Like, what, what happens when you watch porn for years and years, mm-hmm. um, and recognizing that it is really hard once you start to stop as well. Yeah. And so I talk about addiction and I talk about the reality of porn and the truth of porn. I do talk about statistics and things like that, but, um, ultimately what I'm, what I'm doing is giving students, giving kids a, a new like ability to think about porn in a completely different light. And so I have several videos on porn because I really believe it's going to be well, not it's going to be that it is the biggest sex educator we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, kind of like going off of porn. Um, so like I like saw porn when I was super young and it really created yeah. this like shame around sex and like who I was and like my body, mm-hmm. but like also like, it was just like very confusing to deal with growing mm-hmm. up. And then like, especially like as you like go into relationships, you're like, I don't like, I don't know how this is like working, like within the framework that like, I saw this like growing up, you know? Um, and so like it did, it created like a lot of shame surrounding sex, like, as well as like how it was talked about, like in church, how have you learned to deal with any shame surrounding sex? And then like, how do you then use that to educate in a shame-free way? Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great question. And Also, I just want to say that I'm sorry, like that you saw porn at such a young age, like that was not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not okay for, you know, if you have a listener right now who saw porn at a young age, which I'm sure many have, like that was not okay. In fact, it was often traumatic because your young brain didn't know what to do with that information and didn't know what you were seeing. But many young people are also physically excited by that. And so they're really conflicted. Like my body is responding or my body's excited. So does that mean it's good or is that good? Mm -hmm. Am I I being kept from something good? But also this is really kind of scary and I don't know what's happening there and what are they doing? Um, So it is traumatic and I'm sorry. And um, I, that is actually how I start uh, several of my videos for students is just recognizing what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, it does create a sense of shame. I was thinking about shame this morning, actually. And I was thinking about the verse in, let's see, it's in Hebrews where it's talking about the race set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And I thought about how, um, in that instance, like shame, there's no room for shame. Like Mm -hmm. even, even in the cross, even that he would die such a shameful death and be looked upon with such shame from so many different people in his life. Um, he like almost like didn't have time for it. Like he didn't recognize it. He moved past it for the joy set before him. Shame really has no place in conversations about sex who wants shame to be in conversations about sex? Satan, like Mm -hmm. Satan does. When you feel shame while it's a natural response and it's a natural, I think, way to almost 
sit in what's happened and reflect mm-hmm. upon what's happened, like that, that is the evil one. And that's somebody who wants to keep you sitting there. And that's somebody who's telling you not that shame is this thing, but that shame is like who you are. You know, I watched this thing or I saw pornography when I was this age, therefore I am bad instead of like, I am worthless. I'm disgusting. I'm gross rather than uh, porn is bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, the thing was bad. And what happened to me was bad. And that's the rightful look upon it. And that's how God sees it, right? He doesn't see you as evil. He sees porn as evil Mm -hmm. and he knows uh, who the evil one is. And so we have to recognize our shame. Like, are we thinking about it in a way that's, well, sin is evil and this thing was evil and I can rightfully like despise that thing, which is pornography. Or are we thinking about it? Like I am evil, I am bad, I'm disgusting and I'm worthless. And so I think we have to differentiate between those two and, and recognize what's happening in our own mind and heart when we think about shame. And so I really seek to have no shame in my conversations about sex because there isn't any, going back to what I said at the beginning, God created this. I have no shame in talking about this, but I know that I'm a sex ed teacher. So it's kind of like, well, obviously she doesn't but I had no desire to be a sex ed teacher. Like this is not what I grew up wanting to be. When I got that email saying, you're going to teach human sexuality. I was terrified because I was ashamed. Um, I didn't even know how to tell people I taught that class because I grew up in so many Christian circles. I wasn't sure if that was a good thing to tell people. I still like still come, I will tell, I will come across Christians and tell Christians what I do. And sometimes there is still a really, and maybe you experience too this as well, but like, there's just a, an awkward response of, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. okay, you do that. I mean, I just had a Bible study the other week. I, I met a woman and she, I told her what I did and she was just like, oh, you know, why? And it's like, oh my goodness. Like there's such a, there's such a disassociation there mm-hmm. for her of sex is God's my friend. Like and yeah. I'm gonna teach your kids about it because they're wanting to know they're your grandkids, you know? Um, and yeah, so I, I have dealt with a lot of shame too, even just in this position of like being a sex ed teacher, but God has called me to it. I have complete assurance from the Lord that this is what I'm supposed to do for, you know, the rest of my life mm-hmm. potentially. And unless he leads me somewhere else. And, um, I don't think, you know, when, when Jesus, like for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, mm-hmm. despising shame, certainly I can have conversations about his gift to us, his gift of sex without shame in the conversation. And part of the way I do that practically, like with my child is I teach her correct names. I talk about stuff openly. You know, I, uh, answer her questions. I, I mean, for me personally, I don't have a lot of moments where I just don't know at all in terms of what a four-year-old's asking me mm-hmm. about sex, but like, because she doesn't really know what sex is yet. Right. But, um, I, if I don't know, I say that and I, and I seek out re- like the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't leave, like, I don't want her to learn shame, certainly yeah. from me at least mm-hmm. in this conversation, nor do I want my, my kids who I'm teaching to learn that either. Uh-huh. I know it's there. Um, and Satan's going to keep at it with that, but no, I, I want to like for the joy set before me, like walk past that. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Along those lines, how do you discuss sex with your daughter or how did you begin? Like you just mentioned you did that and she's four years old. Like what have mm-hmm. those conversations looked like? Yeah. Well, yeah, she's four. So it's different than like a 14 year old, but, uh-huh. um, you know, it started, I think maybe when she was even like two and I mean, parents like definitely get this, like they just ask about their body parts. So she knows mm-hmm. what a vulva is. She actually knows what, like the difference between vulva and vagina. She knows that boys have penises. She knows that, um, this is not something you talk about at school or something you like shout out. Um, she knows 
uh, you never take your pants off anywhere, that nobody should make you take your pants off, that you need to tell an adult immediately if somebody's trying to. Um, she knows who, like who she's safe with, like in terms of like taking a bath, like who can help her. So just body safety, uh, stranger danger, but in a whole new sense of the word where she really recognizes uh, what respecting a body looks like and what to do if, if somebody makes her uncomfortable or feel yucky. Um, she knows about, um, she kind of knows about like how pregnancy happens. I mean, if I asked her right now in this moment, I don't know exactly what she'd say back to me. Again, yeah. she's four, right? Uh-huh. But she has certainly asked where do babies come from? And I have told her like, girls have eggs, mm-hmm. you know, and, she, and she's like the chickens. And it's like, well, yeah, but you know, it looks a little <laughs> different. It's a lot smaller It's in our bodies and boys have something called sperm. And when those two ingredients meet, like you have a baby and it's like, okay. And she'll be like, but you know, how did it get in the belly? And it's like, well, God places these babies in our uterus. That's where they grow. Like that is where they grow after these two ingredients meet. Okay. And then it's like, she goes back to playing. Like, again, the shame is not there yet. Like she just doesn't care. Like where do babies come Mm -hmm. from? Okay, cool. Next. Like, you know, that's not there. Whereas if you have a 11 year old asking where babies come from, who has never had any conversation about sex and maybe for example, just to call this out is learning that like his penis is called his wee wee or something like that child, honestly, in my experience is going to have more shame because, uh, they're already learning shame about their body because they're learning inaccurate terms and they're already, um, you know, in kind of the dark around, around sex potentially. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't mean that you can't start. There's absolutely hope. And for that child, um, you're not like starting at a loss, but, um, you have to, you have to start and you have to start by being open to those questions and answering them. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's awesome. And then just as kind of like a final question, do you have anything else you want to share about your curriculum and like, where can people find you? Where can they find your curriculum? All that jazz. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, so I am so excited about this curriculum. If you didn't pick that up yet, just because again, I have never found anything like this online. Um, so this content is meant for you to have access to, and honestly, I haven't said this yet, but part of that is because we had a pandemic and part of that was because, you know, look at our schools in America. Like there's just so much, um, sadness happening. Like there's so, there's so many events that occur in these schools and people do I, I just, I read recently that like 40 homeschooling grew by 40% or something post pandemic. And I just know that people want access to the content in their home, partially because that's where they're teaching their kids more and more, but partially because they want to have familiarity. Like what is they actually getting taught, right? There's so much about what is being taught in school and like, do we even know? And are we comfortable with it? You can be totally comfortable with this because you can watch it all. You can, you can screen it all. And so that's all available on sexedreclaimed.com. By the time this podcast is released, it's probably already going to be out, if not January 3rd, 2023. Um, And then after you go on the website, you click curriculums and you just pick which one you're interested in. Um, And then there's a different page if you're a large organization, a church, or even a school where they can go to. Additionally, I give little sneak peeks on my Instagram page which is connected to my Facebook. And those are both under sex ever claimed as well. So people can kind of see, oh, if my five-year-old asks what's pregnancy, like, uh, I don't know, mm-hmm. like, I want to be prepared for that. And there are little reels on Instagram um, to kind of encourage you and give you little tips on what to do. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining our episode. And as always, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at theholyship.podcast or uh, our email is theholyship.podcast at gmail.com. So thanks for listening.